Welcome to Inside Surgery, a podcast from the European Association for Endoscopic Surgery. Okay, so we're here at the Malta EAES Winter Meet. I'm delighted to have Johav Mintz with me now, um, who just stepped out of chairing one of the uh, later sessions. Johav, how have you found the uh, Winter Meet? Well, um, this is very exciting times because what we are doing uh, now, we are changing the format of the traditional winter meeting from just having a, a half day of uh, innovation and technology talks to a full symposium of uh, three days. Uh, we're just about the end, uh, to end the second day of the symposium. And I can say that uh, it looks like a great success. Uh, the first day yesterday we had... Um, a laparoscopic hands-on uh, cadaver course for upper GI surgery uh, and also an uh, ultrasound course for surgeons. Uh, it was well attended and the uh, participants were very happy. And today uh, we had our highlight that we have never done before, uh, which is live surgery uh, in the EAES. We had two sessions uh, of live surgery, uh, first session of uh, robotic surgery and the second session was uh, of laparoscopic surgery. We were transmitting uh, um, in parallel from uh, Malta and from Belgium and then from uh, Italy and Malta. Uh, we had interactive discussions during the, uh, uh, the surgeries. The, the audience was very interactive with the surgeons. We were uh, very excited to see uh, pristine surgeries performed by these experts. Philip Newsom performing uh, a robotic uh, parastomal hernia repair. Danilo Miskovic performed a right, uh, robotic right colectomy with uh, a CME. And then on the second session, we had a laparoscopic left hepatectomy done by Mo Abuilal and uh, Luigi Boni, a right, laparoscopic right colectomy with CME. All of the views were fantastic, very exciting times for the EAES. And then we come back and we started to, uh, to have our usual innovation and technology talks. Um, very exciting to hear about uh, new things in AI, uh, new robots. Tomorrow we also have a laparoscopic course uh, for uh, colorectal, hands-on colorectal cadaver. And uh, we also have the surgical escape room, uh, which is um, one of the goals is uh, team training in such a fun way. So we are doing a lot of new things. Uh, we're expanding our visibility. Uh, we're giving the members uh, things that they actually want, more education, more training, more hands-on. So uh, I'm very happy that this is happening uh, in the EAES and that we are uh, expanding uh, we are reaching out to more audience, more areas in, the, in Europe. So I just hope that uh, uh, we'll have the same success in the next uh, Symposium of of, for Innovation and Surgery, uh, which is going to be in Bucharest. And in before that, you have the main, uh, the main Congress, right? Yes. Uh, well, in June, we're going to have the, the annual Congress in Rome, which probably is going to be one of the largest uh, congresses that uh, the EAS had in the past few years uh, due to COVID probably. So we are getting out of COVID now and, uh, and Rome is an attractive 
place. So we believe that this is going to be one of the largest uh, congresses that we were going to have. Fantastic. And it's, it's great to hear just a summary of quite how much has been going on over the last uh, couple of days. It's when you, when you lay it out like that, you realise quite what a busy agenda it's been. So um, just looking forward, I know that you're, you're very focused on technology. Which technologies um, excite you the most that are coming down the line for surgeons in the next kind of two to five years? Well, you know, I've been doing a lot of work with startup companies in Israel. Um, uh, Israel is a technology hub, you know, startup uh, nation. And, um, and we've developed together with startup companies uh, many devices. And I think that, you know, the, the best, uh, uh, or I don't know how to, um, how to say this, but the most influential development that is going to happen in the next decade is not a single instrument, but it's something that is going to affect every surgery. And this is probably artificial intelligence uh, that we can uh, combine into surgical. So making uh, a surgeon, having a decision-making capabilities as decision assistance by uh, AI software, maintaining the flow of surgery, in the in the OR, uh, having AI assistance uh, for training capabilities and for education. This is the this is a, the next world of opportunity. Uh, it it is a vast area that is very quickly uh, enhancing. AI is going to affect everything that we do in surgery. So, if you ask me, it's not a single device. It's a software capability that will affect every single operation that we do. It's very interesting. There's the common themes coming out around education and training, innovation, coaching, mentoring, but also obviously that technology landscape changing. And it's for me, it's fascinating seeing how uh, ChatGPT has just kind of gone viral around the world as this uh, big change in the accessibility of AI to anyone who wants to ask a question about anything. And you think when those when those algorithms are tuned towards surgery or tuned towards the specific use cases that you have as clinicians, potentially it's it's not that far away. Yeah, and, and um, you know, ChatGPT just opened our eyes to the possibilities. Uh, however, uh, one thing you need to understand is that ChatGPT is relied on the amount of data that there is in the web. And things that are happening now not always show in ChatGPT because yeah. the amount of the data is, is smaller than the capabilities. You know, there is yeah. a limit when, yeah. you, when you say, okay, this is something valid and it will come up in ChatGPT. But the beginning of the uh, development of something is going to be uh, shown in ChatGPT only when it has enough data. So we here in the EAS and all over the world, we perform the development and also AI and, and new robots. Um, they're not going to show up in ChatGPT right now. They're going to be shown only after we have enough data. So ChatGPT is just you know, opened our eyes to the possibilities. That's right. And of course, the data is changing because we have visual data, we have numeric and, and uh, uh, you know, narrative data. But you know, the amount of metrics which are being measured and are available from the ORs and from the number of cases being completed worldwide is potentially just so useful. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, data is the new oil, data is power, and uh, we just need, as a, as a surgical association, to know how to harness 
the data from all over the Europe or all over the world and bring it into uh, an academic association that will we will uh, have to um, figure out a way to enable uh, anyone who, who wants to use this data to uh, to use it for the patient's benefits. I mean, we are trying to figure out a way how to do this in, in an academic way and enable it for everybody and not only for companies that are doing that by themselves and, and for, of course, for financial reason. We want the first thing in our mind is, is improving patient outcomes. So as, a, as an academic association, uh, this is one of the things that we're working on to know how to gather the data and have it available for, for everybody. That sounds like a great note to finish on and uh, what a great kind of altruistic core that runs through the AES. So thanks for the time for talking to us and uh, best of luck with the rest of the uh, Congress. Great, thank you. We at Olympus are glad to support this EAS initiative. Reach out to us to get more information on our innovative energy and imaging portfolio. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm joined by Ms. Zobia Gunkali, who has been running a fascinating team program um, over at the hospital for the last two days. So welcome, Zobia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Could you just introduce yourself and let us know uh, where you're from and uh, your stage of training? Um, yep. So I'm an ST6 uh, general surgical registrar. I'm currently training in the UK um, in, in sort of the Essex area. Fantastic. Thank you. So I know that part of the challenge of surgical training can be sometimes it's very um, focused on the surgeon and technical skills and the personal whereas we know that often um, really high quality centres drive great outcomes by excellent teamwork and excellent training and the, the fact that their ORs really flow effectively and I believe the escape room is a way of trying to simulate this practice without any jeopardy but by putting delegates through a simulated experience. Can you just talk about how you do that and why you think it's an effective training mechanism? Sure. So we have um, been running a very exciting surgical escape room. Um, this is something that we uh, piloted back in the UK and they were happy enough to have a, um, us at, in Malta and running it for some of the delegates and some of the Maltese trainees. Um, so what it's about, it's about essentially what we're interested in is, is gamification of education. This is a concept that's been around for a while. Um, but we're interested in, as surgical trainees, our training has been interrupted by COVID and anything and any, anything and everything we can do to try and catch up a little bit helps. So in the escape room, it's like a clinical scenario, but you have to get through it using your uh, medical and surgical training and solving puzzles and clues. And importantly, you have to work together as a team. Um, in medical school, we're all, we, you know, more recently we're taught how to communicate with each other, and that has helped, uh, and with patients, sorry, but and that has helped. But um, we're not really trained on how to lead um, or how to work in teams, in complex teams like you need in a surgical environment. So the escape room tries to um, focus on that. Um, by making people work together as a team and the more effectively you work together as a team in the escape room the more success more likely you are to successfully escape. 
Brilliant. And without giving away any of your trade secrets, what kind of skills will delegates have to use to be successful? And what kind of scenarios, because it's quite generic what we've been talking about. Can Can you be a little bit specific? What kind of things might people have to do in the escape room? Yeah, this is tricky. You're right, giving it without giving too much away. So important things, I think, in the escape room are, are just talking to each other, thinking out loud, um, explaining when you found something, drawing attention to problems, um, and importantly, asking for help when you don't know how to do something or if you're unsure. Um, these are things that we've seen people do effectively and not so effectively in an escape room. And as you said, there's no jeopardy. If you don't know how to solve a puzzle or um, figure out a, a key code combination. There's no danger in that, but what it does test is how confidently or how able you are to, to ask for help when you need it. And I, I think what was interesting when I was watching it was the range of different kind of stimulus materials they are from audio to visual to patient response to drug charts to uh, things needing to be found. You know, there's a real range of different um, stimulus that you can throw at people in order to get them thinking as a team. Yep, exactly. The, the amazing thing about the job we do is that there is stimulus in everything. Every single thing is a process. What we do at work is very uh, stimulating. There's lots of different options for us to draw puzzles and, and clues from. So it was very easily translatable and for people to be able to use their skills. OK, and if you could give, you know, three or four top tips for people wanting to. Um, uh, sorry, I'll say that again. So if you could give some top tips from teams who you see that work really successfully through the escape room compared to uh, teams that are less successful. Is it to do with, I don't know, age and seniority and experience? Is it to do with uh, technical skills? Is it to do with being a, a, a well-honed team together? What, what are some of those things when you see really successful practice? What does it look like? Um, so uh, the teams that we've seen, seen do really well are those um, who come with a strategy. So um, they have maybe done a little preparation or uh, thought about how they're going to approach the scenario before they've even entered it. Um, and that's something that, um, you know, we do preoperatively uh, or before an on-call as well. So that that's something that we've seen people really succeed with when they do that. Um, also, when there's difficulty or when there's uh, a problem, they share information and they call for help um, or uh, get someone else to, to solve the problem where they can't do it. Um, so a sharing of information and um, identifying limits and, and getting someone else to help are also tips, I think, to, to get through the scenarios and clinical work successfully. Brilliant. Well, I think it's a, a fantastic programme that you're running and it's, it was it was a real pleasure to be able to go over to the hospital and watch um, you guys in action uh, the last few days. Um, brilliant. Um, is there any plans to expand this in the future? Is it something that you think is going to be rolling out or is it um, something that's quite unique to the Malta winter meet? Well, we're yet to see actually how it goes. Um, we're very excited to be running in Malta and um, we're we're excited to see it develop elsewhere if the interest is there, which I hope there will there will be. Um, although there's lots to learn from it, it's also just a really fun team building exercise, um, and um, we hope that other departments would find it beneficial, as we hope the trainees and the participants at in Malta have done already. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us and uh, good luck with expanding the programme. Thank you. Thanks for joining Inside Surgery. 
please visit our website at eaes.eu for a wealth of resources, information, events and research to support surgeons from across the region. Olympus, your preferred partner.